Hi everyone, hope everyone's doing well. Um, welcome to the HW Property Show. Today we've got um, a tax ex expert on specialising in, in personal tax, capital gains tax, inheritance tax, corporate tax. Um, he's an expert in his field and he's here today on behalf of Churchill Tax Advisors to answer some questions that I think a lot of people struggle with and hopefully to help you gain some extra knowledge. So before we start, I'm not going to um, pretend that I know a lot about property tax but I think it's really good that I'm interviewing because I feel a lot of people don't know much about property tax, so I feel I'll be able to ask questions on behalf of all of you. So, Ali, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Um, good afternoon to everybody. My name is Anhar Ali. I'm uh, the Senior Business Development Manager for Churchill Tax Advisors. We are not in an accountancy firm. That's very important to know. We are chartered tax advisors. We practice tax law. We provide tax advice. We structure and design SAC tax systems, and 70% of our clients fall into the property tax. As well as that, we do tax investigations. That sounds very strong, but uh, it could be relevant for landlords who have not disclosed their taxes. Yeah, so that's where it could be uh, useful. We do forensic accounting as well. Say, for example, if anybody wishes to have calculations done, uh, like somebody is purchasing property portfolio all over the place before they commit, they would like to know what it is. And we do worldwide disclosures. And we do some accountancy work for some private clients as well. The accountancy business is totally separate. We do have a company, but Churchill Tax Advisors has nothing to do with it. The people who work in our organization are uh, senior chartered tax advisors. The department is uh, led by uh, a tax barrister and everybody else is CTAs underneath. We've got fellows of uh, accountants, ex-HS MRC tax inspectors and tax litigants. And we will utilize any other special, uh, specialist as and when needed. So, and uh, every work we do we, within the UK tax law, within the HMRC rules and regulations, we verify all the work we do and uh, we make it easy for the accountants to follow up in the future years. And if there is any insurance or anything required, we do provide those as well. So that is the best way of summarizing who we are, what we do. We are based in London. We have two offices in London. Uh, we also cover north and south of uh, England, from Manchester and Birmingham. One of our colleagues works in Milton Keynes, and we've got two Scotland offices as well. I'm presenting my senior colleague here, uh, Usama. He's a chartered tax advisor. I won't say any more than that, because if I do, I won't be leaving anything for him. Yeah, so uh, I, shall, I shall end here. Thank you, Ali. My name is Osama West. I am, well, not a CTA yet because I'm not qualified, but I'm qualified by experience. I'm an ACCA qualified back many, many years ago. So I've got about 10, 11 years of um, advisory experience. I used to work for a big company called Smith & Williamson and then a few other companies. And I've been in church for, for a year or so. Um, I'll get straight to um, the point which is property tax and how it, it's impacting clients. Um, there's been a rush of property buyers, as you would have all known, um, but there are drawbacks, there are tax implications of buying property, selling properties. Um, it's always good to know what you're getting yourself into, uh, what's allowable from tax point of view, what's not allowable. Um, the biggest one, which a lot of people are probably aware, is section 24. I'll, I'll explain it from a layman's point of view what section 24 really is. It's the mortgage interest uh, that you pay on acquiring property that HMRC stopped back in 2006. So they rolled out something called section 24 in phases. So initially 25% of the mortgage interest was restricted. Year on year 25, 50, 75, and now 100% of the mortgage is not allowable. So what happens is you have rental income and then you're not allowed any mortgage interest as an expense. What you get instead is a 20% tax reducer. Now there are different rules as to how you get to that, but we won't go into too much detail. But the impact that has on property owners is that their rental income 
exceeds the basic rate threshold, effectively bringing them into higher rates. So as a typical scenario, say you're earning 30, 40,000 pounds salary, and then you've got about 15,000 pound rental income before. If you had it before, you would have had about 10K, just giving estimates. If you had 10K of rental um, of mortgage, you would have paid tax on the five 5,000 pound of the outstanding um, profit. What happens now is you have 40,000 pound of your actual salary, and then 15K on top would be taxed first. So that takes you into the higher rate of tax. So the threshold is 50K. The remaining 5,000 goes into the higher rate. So effectively now you're paying the 5,000 you should have paid at 20,000, 20%. You're paying 5,000 at 40%. So I, I know I know a lot of landlords when Section Twenty Four came about, a lot of landlords were scared. Um, how how do you see it's affected the market? Um, as in, how do you see landlords adapting to it um, over the last couple of years? Um, some have been very proactive. They've taken steps to mitigate Section Twenty Four impact. Yeah. Partnerships, limited companies, sometimes trusts. Um, there are ways that you can you can utilize legal so within the time within the legal framework that you use to mitigate the the headline tax rate so to speak i mean the difference is between 40 percent and 20 percent yeah. remember you're not getting 20 percent reduction now but if you are a basic rate taxpayer the impact is minimal next to nothing so you, it's 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 based on your other income as well okay okay so when what what when you said that um, some landlords have been quite good at getting around it or adapting to it, what what would you advise? Um, well, not advise, but how would you? How have they done this sort of thing? How how have they got around it? Can you go into a bit more detail there? Sure. So what the way they've done it is one is partnership. So they've brought several family members into a family partnership. Okay. Right, whereby they can sort of distribute the profits here and they're mitigating sort of some impact of um, Section 24. Yeah. The other ones have transferred the properties into the limited company or actually bought the properties from the limited company because Section 24 is actually only applicable on the individuals okay. Okay. and partnerships, but not the limited companies as yet. Um, it will be very difficult not to have the corporates being attacked by the chancellor very soon since he's spent a lot of money quite yeah. recently. So do you see that coming quite close? I, I do see it coming, but I don't see it coming anytime soon. Okay, okay. And I mean, with, with, with all the new rules that keep popping up, this is probably one of the most, the biggest ones and the biggest implications. Um, a lot of landlords, I remember a lot of landlords were talking about property, just going to prop investing in property was going to be the it was going to be the end of investing in property so when when these people well when these landlords are, are splitting them into partnerships um how how heavily does it help them is it does it help them a lot or well it depends on individual circumstances i mean if you're looking if you're looking at a scenario where you've got husband and wife and maybe one or two children over the age of 18 yeah. then the partnership sometimes really suits them. Again, it depends on the other income as well. If they're all high-rate taxpayers, partnerships makes no difference because they all will be paying high-rate tax, in which case a limited company would be a better option. Again, there are costs involved. Um, yeah. Partnerships are usually simpler, easier, quicker, and it's a long-term investment. And whereas a limited company, you've got more compliance, you need to take care who you get the mortgages from yeah. you need to ensure the mortgages you are within the, your mortgage lending agreement yeah you you need to make sure that hmrc is aware there's a lot more compliance there's a lot more you need to be made aware of when you have the corporates involved within the partnership it's a lot simpler so maybe one or two properties with one or two individuals a smaller framework works but when you have bigger substantial sort of properties with numbers yeah um, limited companies are usually better approach so so if to put it to put it back to you just to make sure i'm completely getting it if you've got a large portfolio a limited company probably is your only well not your, best your, your best bet could be again from an inheritance tax point of view there are certain drawbacks yeah and we'll, we'll go into this in in a couple of minutes but um 
Partnerships are quite flexible. You can get into it, enter a partnership, you can dissolve a partnership, move away with very minimal tax so uh, implication. Whereas in a limited company, you cannot transfer shares without triggering capital gains tax. And you cannot transfer wealth from yourself to your children without having some kind of tax implication. So it really depends on individuals long-term and short-term objectives your short-term objectives are usually to sell a property then the best bet is the limited company by far because I, I feel like a lot of um i mean i was locking in online before this interview again i feel like a lot of the the sort of youtube community social media community when this all came around everyone just said well just move it into a limited company i don't think a lot of people were talking about the partnership aspect but, and you're saying, let me just, so if you've got a small portfolio, maybe for an investor who's looking to pick up a few properties, the partnership and depending on your circumstances could be a lot easier to do and work a lot better. Correct. And a lot um, less costly as well. Yeah. A, and a property in a limited company would cost a lot more. Again, you have to, you have to bear in mind that with the limited company, it's a separate legal entity. Yeah, and then you have to you have to ensure that you're compliant with your mortgages. Whereas in a partnership, it's a lot simpler. Lenders are very happy with the partnerships because it's just a see-through for commercial basis. So um, again, this may sound like a completely stupid question, but as I've said before, I'm not, I I I don't have much knowledge on tax. Could you could you do both? Is that a thing you can do? Could you start off with a partnership um, and then develop into a limit and then? set up another limited company if you decided to go further in property absolutely you you can start off small you can start off with a partnership there are very um decent tax rules and um legislation that's available um great set of um reliefs available for partnerships so if saving in, in a couple of years time three four years time you get to a point where you're like no we've grown We've heavily invested. Now we want to protect our position for whatever commercial reason. Um, we want to get into a limited company. Now, at that point, you do have an option of actually closing down the partnership yeah. effectively and opening a limited company. Now, you can transfer the business, the entire business of the property rental from partnership to a limited company effectively without paying any tax. So HMRS is quite lenient, but there are tax reliefs available. However, you need to take care when actually doing such things because one you're getting away with stamp duty land tax the other one is capital gains tax so there's so many benefits of it yeah but at the same time you need to ensure that you seek professional advice you're not just doing it on your own accord yeah yeah and that's what i think a lot of people especially uh, with all these training courses these days a lot of people come into the property world and completely forget about the tax side um i don't think it's something that a lot of people pick up on especially when you see all, everyone analyzing deals these days um claiming this amount of roi and they don't have everything on that um so can you talk us through again the process of transferring a property into a limited company um and then can we just quickly list some benefits and disadvantages of doing that because as you said when when you type in section 24 um a lot of people the first thing they say is just oh just move them into a limited company but it's not that simple no so if in a hypothetical situation just like you mentioned if you just throw in the properties into a limited company yeah there are immediate tax implications firstly the person transferring the property into a limited company will get hit by a capital gains tax charge because if it's your personal company a gift of your property will be subject to capital gains tax so immediately tax at 28 percent or 18 percent then the limited company that is acquiring or getting the property may be subject to stamp duty land tax as well. Okay. So the two taxes that are being applied. So when you hear people say, oh, put it into a limited company, what they do tend to forget is it's not a simple case of transferring property into a limited company. There's a lot that goes in the background. You need to inform HMRC, you need to let them know what taxes have been triggered and how you, you're either going to pay. If you're not going to pay, what are you going, what tax reliefs are you actually applying for? So you need to ensure the, the first tax position is you will pay tax, even if it's a gift for sold for one pound or sold for the full market value, the tax will be there. Yeah. Um, the way around usually is you have husband and wife in a situation or two individuals, they form a partnership, run it for 
four or five years or a few years and then they sort of incorporate into a limited company that way they can obtain certain reliefs and don't not have to pay any capital gains tax and occasionally no stamp duty land tax as well this is one of the big big sort of um, benefits of incorporation however and there's other benefits as well when the property is going to a limited company they go in at the market value at the date of transfer not what you bought it for yeah but what you're actually putting it at the date of incorporation so that's one of the biggest ones biggest aspects of actually um incorporating so if you were looking to say for example sell a property yeah selling immediately after incorporating you won't have to pay any capital gains tax because there will be no tax the cost will be equal to the market value okay but again it's it's based on individual circumstances yeah the drawbacks however you won't hear drawbacks from from any of the advisors sadly and no one seems to talk about it online online no one seems to no talk. one i mean obviously yeah. there have been various various um occasions where i've actually had to stop um individuals from incorporating and mention those drawbacks yeah and more often than not they will stop yeah firstly there is something called section 75a of anti-avoidance legislation anti-avoidance provision from hmrc so that says that if you incorporate a property business or incorporate any business with the view of avoiding capital gains tax and stamp duty land tax they can roll back time and undo everything that you've done it's an anti-avoidance provision so say for example you enter into a partnership and you know you're gonna you will have to you will put the properties into a limited company but you've been suggested by someone that will form a partnership for a couple of months and then incorporate yeah hmrc yeah. can actually disallow the incorporation relief whereby charging you the exact amount of capital gains tax and stamp duty land tax so the whole thing would be pointless whole thing would go go sideways um it's not it's not been put forward into the courts yet yeah it's not been challenged yet but i do anticipate some something to come forward very soon because there's so many individuals advising advising property clients without letting them know of the tax implications of of incorporation i th i think i think one of the the sort of reasons for that is people go to social media so much now um and a lot of people who they are watching aren't qualified um and they're given this sort of advice based on their own experience and what they're actually doing themselves so a lot of people are follow following them where their situation is completely different did you find a lot of um landlords making that mistake majority of all of them have somehow make a mistake of taking their their parents advice or their siblings advice or someone somewhere in the cab mentioned something or they've gone to a barber and barbers said put properties into a limited company i mean you, you need a proper professional advice if you are looking and it's not just the properties any investment that you make if you're looking to invest up say a million i mean it's only reasonable to expect that you spend at least a thousand pound to get some kind of written advice yeah yeah that's i think that's one percent or even not even one percent yeah so why would you not it's the same with a lot of things you, you don't go on youtube if you've got a bad throat you go straight to the doctor because they're a professional they've trained in the industry they know what they're talking about and i think that is a problem that a lot of people overlook um there's so many people rushing into property off training courses and it's great it's great to have loads of people doing it but i mean the amount of people coming in and aren't going to the correct places to get the rest uh, the correct advice it can cost you massively in the future um we also wanted to go in a talk a bit about tax structuring in property um would you be able to explain that a bit further because i know a few people had some questions on that sure so tax structures is basically um you you do have some options of how you'd like to proceed with your acquisitions of current future and past so um property acquisitions that you made or current or future acquisition that you're looking to make for example if you're a property owner and you've already got an established business yeah you would have a different approach you might not want to acquire more properties you may want to sell some properties or you're looking to downsize 
or you're looking to retain those properties. So there's a different, completely different tax structure. You might not even like a structure, but you might not even need a structure. The structures are usually for individuals when, say, for example, you're looking to acquire land and build a property on it. Yeah. From a property developer's point of view or from a land building point of view. That way, part, again, majority of these structures would involve partnerships, limited companies, trusts, I, either in combination or in isolation. Okay. Okay. So, again, it completely depends on who you are and what your situation is which again again relates back to the fact you've got to get a professional to advise you um on your own your own situation so for example say for example i was buying a piece of land um buying a piece of land and i was going to build a few houses on it what differences is that from me going out and buying four houses on its own that is a very good question. A lot of people would not put that forward. Um, the biggest one is HMRC looks at individual cases. Okay? Yeah. When you go out to buy a land and you build property, that could be seen as a trade. Now, it becomes badges of trade for HMRC purposes. The difference between trade and capital is trade is taxed to income tax, which is at 40, 45% plus you pay national insurance yeah. where investments and capital are charged to capital gains tax at the maximum of 28 percent trade could be can also be triggered for vat purposes so say for example in your example that you just mentioned if you were buying if you had a plot of land and you build five six houses and then you sold them yeah. hmr could turn around and say you're a property developer effectively the property development is your business and therefore we want income tax now, all of a sudden, you had uh, had 28% in your mind. Now you're paying 45% of income tax, 12.5% of or class 9, 9% of class 4 NIC. Then you're paying VAT. All of a sudden, all your profits going down the drain. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's something a lot of people don't know. Um, Flipping is the other one. You buy a property, do it up, sell it, move on. Now, that can be seen as a trade as well. Again, HMRC have been very lenient in the past yeah. and been allowing it. But the rules actually state that if it's if if you get into the radar of HMRC and you thought the badges of trade are actually applied, and if you are seen to be trading, yeah. HMRC will go for the trading status. Sure. And if they go win, you will, you're in big trouble. So is there any way to not have it as trade um, when doing developments or is it, does it always have to be? No, no. So that's where you need, that's where you definitely need advice okay. as to how to structure it in a way that is deemed to be taken as capital as opposed to income tax. Yeah. I mean, you don't artificially create something, but the facts sometimes can be very varied. So you just have to make sure that what you tell your advisor is what you're actually going to do. Yeah. So um, I think one of the common misconceptions as well about getting a tax advisor is um, you have to be a certain level of property investor. Um, would you like to go into detail on that and say why? I mean, for example, um, most people would say, yeah, if, you, if I had hundreds of properties, I may need one, but if I was only going to buy a single buy to let, I may not. Would you Would you like to go into that? Sure. Um, that's not true. There is no level that you need an advisor for. I mean, you could have one single transaction um, and end up paying a lot of money yeah. and have 10 properties and not pay too much tax. It's just how you, you've structured it in a way. Tax, I always say tax is tax planning as in the name, means a plan. It's something for the future. If you do something today, you will benefit, you'll reap the rewards in the future. If you come to me once the transaction is already taking place, then there's, there's no advice in the world, what, legally, who can actually save, help you save any tax. Yeah. If you've sold a property, you come to me, the only thing I can do is tell you how to calculate the tax. There won't be much saving. But if you come to me before selling, then I might be able to structure something for you, which will be very beneficial. 
So yeah. one property even, it just depends on the value values of the properties. Someone who's lived in the property for say, I actually had a client who bought a property in 1964 for 8,200 pounds. Now that property is valued at 1.2 million. <laughs> that's not a bad, that's not a bad, that's not a bad investment. She's still alive. <laughs> but now, now they're in a different, different sort of position. Now they have 10 properties. Now they have inheritance tax to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. So, Can we go into a bit about inheritance, inheritance tax? Sure. Uh, there's, there's a massive misconception that you, if you have a will or you yeah. have narrow wills, there's no tax to pay. Yeah. That's not always true. In fact, majority of the time, that's not true. What happens is, yes, you get relief. So passing assets between husband and wife are tax-free. Yeah. So when, when a husband or a wife dies, the assets go to the wife. Now, from a basic or a normal person's point of view, you tell me what would happen when the second person passes away. When the second person, but it would come to them tax-free, tax relief. You wouldn't no, the first, first one died. So the husband or the wife died. Yeah. It goes to the second person, the second spouse. Yeah. The surviving spouse. Yeah. Okay. Say you had two million pound worth of assets. Yeah. Okay. The the relief is only three to five, three hundred twenty five k. Yeah. Okay. Now, one person or the or the one spouse passed away. You had a mirror will. It goes to the other spouse. Say five years down the line, the second second death happens. Yeah. At that point, what happens is two million becomes two point five million because the the values increase over time. Yeah, the relief was three to five, so three to five and three to six fifty. The remaining one point three five million is taxed at forty percent. So when you say we have um, we have a mere will, yeah, that effectively means we've just kicked the can down the road. Yeah, and yeah. We've, we've, created a bigger problem yeah and again it's it's another misconception people think i'm going to be left this but unless you don't have the best advice um so it's i mean if um, again if landlords are looking to leave their properties um further on to their family it, it's it would be great to be able to speak to people like you to structure it in a way when it happens um with the i want to go back to um transferring a property into a limited company again because i've just spoken to i just i've just had a message come through how can you talk us through again quickly the, the process but just as simple as possible how sure. to transfer a property into a limited company or a portfolio the question was six properties okay portfolio or otherwise if again if it was one property six properties ten properties the logic and the rules remain the same yeah. you cannot you cannot transfer properties directly into a limited company without triggering capital gains tax and without triggering stamp duty land tax. Yeah. Unless they've been bought yesterday and you're transferring today. Okay. And in, in, even in that case, it can be tricky. Now, majority of the times you will have properties owned several years ago. So what you would normally do or would be advised to do would be set up a partnership, run it for a few years, and then hope to get something called an incorporation relief which effectively means you will not have to pay capital gains tax and stamp duty and the properties will be transferred to a limited company. Now, it's not a simple process that you can carry out on your own. You need professional advice and you need it in writing. Yeah. Okay. You need it in writing. There's, even if you're paying very minimal, at least have a professional look into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because again, you, you need you need one to, little mistake uh, that's all it takes one little mistake and hmrc will come down i mean we, we just took we literally just talked about the four houses and plot of land and, and i i never knew that and that could have just got rid of profit straight away you would have paid a, you would have to pay it from your own pocket hmrc at that straight so i mean exactly plot of land seems, seems simple i mean flipping everyone seems to be doing it without the understanding the ramification of actually what what are you doing again there's something else that you mentioned rent to rent that could be seen as trading airbnb that is effectively a trade airbnb recently agreed to supply hmrc with all of tenants um, tenants information they've actually had an agreement 
it was in the news recently. So yeah, that that's what I wanted to go into as well. Um, a lot of people, when they talk about tax advisors, again, it's the bulk standard landlord they own, buy to lets or HMOs. It's not like that anymore. There's so many different strategies out there with property. Um, can we talk about what sources first would need to be aware of um, or maybe rent to rent, rent to SA, whichever ones you feel, do they all need to be aware or is it? All of them need to be aware. All of them. All of them have to be aware of what they're getting themselves into. Not HMRC manuals are good read but they're general manuals. I mean, I usually read them to have an understanding of what they actually mean. Otherwise, you have to have specific knowledge of the sort of transaction you're, you're about to carry out. So can we go into some of the, the problems that may happen with a sourcer, for example, then? So I found a property, I'm gonna source it on. Um, what are some of the problems that can go wrong with that? A lot of people say, yeah, find this property, sell it for 2%, it's 100K property, that's two grand there. What, what could go wrong? Right, so what can go wrong is you buy a property, you do it up. Yeah. Okay, you sell it on, make some profit. Yeah. Use the same money, buy again, do it up, sell it again. After a year, you've made about 100K. Yeah. Right. HMRC comes knocking on your door saying that's a trade. You do it on daily basis. There's a profit motive. Your number of transactions. You borrow and you repay. It's a trade. Now the onus at that point the onus comes to the taxpayer to prove HMRC wrong. That's yeah. where the problem is. It's not HMRC who needs to prove. It's the taxpayer. Okay. So. We need to what, what 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 you need to be doing again is you need to get advice so that you don't get that high tax that we just sent. 40, 40, 45 percent. As, as soon as you hit um, 150k mark, the tax goes to 45 percent. Yeah, just tax plus the national insurance contributions go up. Okay. Plus you have an issue like I mentioned. A lot of people ignore the fact that the VAT threshold is just 80, 86,000. Yeah, yeah. Okay, 6, so even one property could bring you into that VAT bracket. And all of, all of the profit that you just made, you paid 45% tax, 12, 9% national insurance. Yeah. And you paid 20% VAT, what are you left with? <laughs> and that, 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 that is an issue because a lot of people, again, property development is going to make me a lot of money. It's going to be on top of my job. But I mean, you're just pushing yourself up the bracket and it can have a, a large inclination. What about rent to rent then? Rent to HMO. Not, uh, we can go into Airbnb in a set, but rent to HMO. So when someone rents the rooms out, uh, rents property, then rents the room out individually. That, that is usually okay. HMOs. Yeah. HMRC is away and they've not challenged it so far. That's still okay. Can I mean, HMOs, um, HMOs generate, I believe, HMO, HMOs generate the most. So, uh, rental yield more yeah. than any any other sort of property rental but again like i said long-term tenancies six months a year or so yeah that can be seen as a rental sort of activity which is exempt for VAT and good for tax purposes if it's daily basis like airbnb yeah short-term lets that can however change um change the course of uh, the nature of tax and bring you into the trading status. So can you see them in the future targeting HMOs more? Um, I think they're, they're quite, um, they're coming hard on landlords. Yeah. I, I don't think they have to allow some kind of um, leniency towards towards landlords. I mean, first the mortgage interest is not allowed, then they pay a high rate of tax. When they sell the property, they pay capital gains tax. If you have to acquire property, you pay stamp duty. And when you die, you pay inheritance tax. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, property, individuals or property owners are paying quite a hefty sort of bill yeah I, I would not expect that change yeah. to take place but what i do expect to change uh, expect a change in um capital gains tax to go up okay fairly soon and that that will again have another big effect on that will have a massive impact People, yeah individual um Owners, property owners will tend not to sell properties. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, the market, it just won't, it won't be the same. Um, 
you we spoke about earlier you were expert in um personal tax and corporate <clears throat> we haven't touched on them yet can we touch on personal tax first yeah sure so personal tax is <clears throat> you do a self-assessment tax return any um income you make in during the tax year starts from 6th of april ends 5th of april the following tax year and you have to declare it to hmrc by 31st january following the end of the tax year um it sounds all simple sometimes if you're on on payroll paye you, you hardly need to do it unless you exceed 100k threshold yeah in salary um if you've been issued a self-assessment tax return that's fine you have to do it if you haven't it's your duty to inform hmrc that you are in receipt of untaxed income how that is generated would depend on again your circumstances whether it's um, interest income dividend income rental income um the declaration of property like my um, colleague mentioned earlier is the key you have to declare your rental income even if you're not making any profit and again that, that's again another thing that a lot of people don't do um so what about um corporate tax then can we go into a bit more detail on corporate tax sure the corporate tax is quite simple um the companies don't pay any other kind of tax apart from corporation tax so if the company sold a property yeah it will pay corporation tax at 19 percent at the moment it won't pay the the capital gains tax like individuals do so individual tax tax rates are differ so you pay 20 percent for individuals you pay 40 45 percent individuals and then you have different nic's whereas a company is quite simple you pay 19 percent tax straight up so you have rental income or if you've got a business profits less any expenses um sales less any expenses you've got profit left charge 19 percent and then you pay the tax as normal but you've still got to make the decision of partnership or yes that that decision would depend again on individual circumstances yes even though you pay 19 percent tax yeah. if you have to withdraw the money or take the money out of the limited company yeah people tend to forget that there's income tax still to pay so you pay either 7.5 percent which is dividend tax or basic rate or 32.5 percent so all of a sudden uh, the limited company becomes the worst of the two options because you just paid 19 percent tax on the profit and if you take the money out you pay 32 and a half percent you would have been better off just paying 40 percent yeah yeah of course yeah so um what we normally do on the show as well is we ask three questions um at the end yeah i'm gonna kind of reshape them because obviously you're a special guest um so the first question and if I, I you may not be able to answer this but i hope you can um as a property investor what say I, i'm property investor now what would you advise if you could advise one book to help you with property tax would there be any that pick out or is there is there nothing like that i i believe there's nothing like that um, because of the person it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing um learning uh, exercise because of the changing rules and environment yeah. um, books that were issued two years ago are probably not relevant anymore and yeah the personal circumstance yeah, I mean, it, it's exactly it changes year on year so whilst books that are good read yeah they don't reflect the actuals of um situation so yeah. every individual has has their own um if you would if you do want to read i'd probably say read hmrc manual and, and get scared <laughs> that's a lot that's, <laughs> that's, that's the only way you will come in to realize that we, we're not lying yeah that's not like something i read that or like can imagine <laughs> um so the other one other question would be um uh well it basically if you had any sort of tip that you could give to um a newbie landlord like one a piece of advice that they need what would you um what would you give them uh, from a commercial point of view, I'd say get some kind of advice before you step into uh, a property, so property business, simply because the the money at stake is high. Yeah. Okay? 500000 pounds wouldn't make a huge difference, but understand your current position before buying, and I am I can't emphasize enough the part about before 
taking a decision. Um, I do have personal clients and I'm very, very happy that they've actually come, even though it's a small sort of project, but they've come to understand the situation. So I'm like, what would happen if I buy this in my personal name? Or yeah. what would happen if I buy this in my limited company? Now yeah. it's a simple question, but it requires technical analysis of your current position, your partner's current position, limited company, and how it's going to benefit. I've written an advice and quite frankly, it, when the client came to me, he was dying to form a form a limited company and actually having having everything put into it. After the advice, he said, "Thank you so much. I was about to do something very silly." Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I I'll be completely honest with everyone. As I said at the start, I'm not, I have no clue about property tax. I didn't even know partnership was a a route you could go down. I thought, like most people, limited company, limited company, limited company. Um. Third question, I always end it with this. Again, it can be anyone. Who do you look up to? I'd say Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, mm -hmm. uh, simply because of his um, his humbleness, but his uh, keen eye for investments. Yeah. He diversifies, and I think people need to understand, yes, property market is all at all-time high, but would you really want to invest when it's when it's at its peak yeah yeah so well, yeah yeah he is yeah. he is one of the greats um and i mean he's been around for so long he's just got so much knowledge he he's got so much knowledge he's uh he's amazing well um so i'm gonna bring ali back on now and what sure hi hi mate did you enjoy that i learned i learned a lot and i can tell you that now I, I have a regular lessons, so I, I revise them as I, all the time. I get the luxury of being revised from four people. Uh, <laughs> so each time, yes, uh, I know I thoroughly enjoy it, um, especially the bit he, Osama uh, was mentioning that the tax implication, 19% and 38% and people, and then th th think it's cheaper. And then uh, you compare it uh, with 40% when you thought that 40% was, you know, expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, understanding the whole thing, yeah. And I mean, as someone said, it's, it's a constant knowledge, isn't it? It's constant ongoing. Things are updating constantly. So, yeah. I mean, fair enough. You're on top of your game. <laughs> You're both on top of that. Um, um, I come from finance background. I've converted into taxation unofficially in 2014, I would say, uh, through a personal experience. Somebody paid £400,000 inheritance tax. And um, I was part of it because I was a consultant. And uh, I said, let's find out. And we found out that they didn't have to pay a penny. That that was the time it hit me on the uh, uh, you know in my conscience. Yeah. And um, uh, I've been fully involved in taxation um, from um, 2018, two years now. But my journey started in 2014, and it's gradually sucked me in to the system. Um, the thing I enjoy most here is networking with people because I'm a small landlord myself, so yeah. I get the buzz talking to you and talking to everybody else, linking up. So uh, anybody wishes to talk to me or have, have wishes to have a presentation or anything like this, by all means, that's absolutely fine. Uh, what we try to do is help the people out, understand better. It's not just about money. Um, I get the pleasure out of it that if anybody benefits from this conversation who wasn't aware of it, my yeah. colleague gets the thrill out of it. If somebody comes in, they've heard that we've spoken about it, you know, and we try to add value or, or, or try to build relationships with you, an organization like Penn and yourselves. You yeah. see, it's, it's a mutual relationship. It's not just about money, which is just uh, helping each other out, learning, socializing, talking to each other. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I learned a lot today. And um, yeah. let me ask you the same three questions. Um, one, would you, if you could give one piece of advice to anyone, what would you, would you, would it be the same as? Uh, Osama stolen the, uh, my, my line, but with the best one I always tell is that talk to someone before before going and doing things by yourself, yeah. 
because it, it, it doesn't cost you anything. What I have learned is um, because I come from a banking and finance background and something, it was there already, but I did not pick, pick up because unless you are fully engaged with the subject, yeah. you, you, do not, you do not fully appreciate it. Um, 2002, three times when I was a broker and a financial advisor, I used, people used to talk about tax, um, tax advice and tax planning for wealthy clients. And there was a, they said mentioned that three stages you do tax planning and and you benefit uh, you reap the benefit when the baby is born, grandparents uh, provide educational support etc because they get tax relief. The other uh, yeah and the second one is when someone leaves the university and hits the city for employment um, yeah. just before getting married, he structures his taxes for his life and perhaps review it when they're about in their mid-40s, when they have children, yeah. And uh, this, uh, you can cross-reference with the summer how uh, it is true, but uh, people do tax planning at three times on a regular basis. And we uh, and from there now, um, uh, the customers I get is three types of customers when I talk to people. One, the mention I just mentioned now, they know exactly when to do, go through their tax planning. Yeah, people are understand about tax planning. They wish to go about. They do understand, but there are other people who are led by bookkeepers, um, and they kind of get just um, take advice from so many people, and they go all over the place and get confused as well. <laughs> you don't need to do that. That's why I made the distinction very early. We are not an accountancy service. Yeah. There are three branches, the bookkeepers, the ACCA and this, the CTA. Yeah. We are the people who design the tax systems and then it goes to the accountants. Yeah. 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 And that's something, I mean, that third person is me, to be honest. Yeah. That's what like. I mean, uh, there's so much advice. You can get advice from so many different places. Uh, yeah. It's hard to know where to look uh, yeah. unless you look properly. Um, favorite book? Favorite book. There are quite a few. Um, I read a book, uh, so something, a book sticks to my head uh, for a very long time ago when I was preparing to study law. Yeah. Um, a book called What is History by e. A. Professor E. H. Carr. Yeah. And uh, Professor E. H. Carr uh, uh, writes there and says that fish is like on the fishmonger's club when you get the uh, a fish. You try to serve it as it is, and then trying to cook it, because if you try to premeditate what it is, yeah, or uh, you camouflage it with ideas and things like this, you do not get the true story. And yeah. this applies to taxation, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you get um, to it as it is. And who, who would you say you look up to then? You've had Warren Buffett. There's there, there, so many. My personal, uh, somebody I. I have very close to heart, and I actually work with them. With them, uh, someone is. Uh, his name is Professor Muhammad Yunus. He's a he's a micro. Um, he's, he's a Nobel laureate. Uh, yeah. He won his Nobel laureate in 1986. Uh, he's a banker to the poor. Uh, he started off lending money with twenty-seven dollars to forty people. Yeah. Um, working against loan sharks. Start this journey started off in Bangladesh. He's a professor, uh, educate, uh, has his PhD from Vanderbilt University in California. Yeah. He touches the lives of 330 million poor people. So many um, people. Yes. He is the father of microfinance, so he he helps 330 million people, and he's, he's a pioneer of. Sorry, I've I've got a meeting starting. I will finish off this conversation. We'll catch up. Thank later. you, sir. Thank, yeah. thank you very much for coming on. Okay. Thank you. All right, uh, and uh, uh, he uh, he's uh, created another uh, system called. Um, so, so uh, it's, a, it's a social enterprise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where young people come up with ideas. 
and he invests money on them. And the way it works is that there's an organization his um, uh, students in USA have created because they're fascinated with the idea. It's called Kiva, yeah. where you put in money and you give money to the poor yeah. people. They do the job and they don't actually keep the money. They give you back. Right yeah, um, this project is a, is a work is working in in United Kingdom in Scotland. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, lot lot of lot of lot of people are benefiting from it, and uh, he is the uh, one of the honorary chancellor of um, Caledonian uh, University yeah. in Glasgow, Glasgow. So he is my idol. He's your idol. Okay. Well, I want to thank you. Uh, I know someone's gone now, but I want to thank you for coming on um and setting this up today what i've done is i've put your um phone number um and i'm going to put your website and your email address in the description um later on i'll put it on after all this i'll put it on the facebook um if anyone wants to watch listen to the full episode again we're on spotify just type in hw property show um clips will be uploaded onto youtube and of course this live stream will be shared in our facebook groups and on our Facebook page. Any last words? At any time, if you need any presentations or any support or you have any questions, um, uh, you have my business card on your WhatsApp. Um, send uh, email, um, email or if anybody wants, because you are busy, I know, anybody wants any questions, I'll get them sorted out. Just talk yeah. online. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on and thanks everyone for watching. Again, if you want to live stream the whole thing, um, listen to it in your car. We're on Spotify now, HW Property Show. Um, just type that in and give it a lesson. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Um, see you all next Friday.